On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we examine Bayern Munich's FIFA Club World Cup triumph and Neymar's latest injury. Is he worth it to PSG? to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark, along with Marcus, and we just watched the FIFA Club World Cup. Oh, sorry, Marcus, how are you this afternoon? Uh, I'm fine. Keep going. <laughs> great, great. Uh, yeah, so as I said, we watched Bayern Munich take down Tigres 1-0 in the FIFA Club World Cup final. We wanted to focus in on this just as is a bit of a historical perspective on several levels. In that one, Bayern Munich has kind of clinched everything that they can possibly have clinched in the 2020-2021 season, or I guess the 2019-2020 to season. Time is, is a flat circle. But, and then also Tigres was the first CONCACAF team to reach the Club World Cup final. So a lot of different things going on. Bayern's goal was scored by Benjamin Pavard in the 61st minute off of a kind of a cleanup play by Pavard, who the Lewandowski had been targeted by Joshua Kimmich, and the ball kind of just landed in the box on a, on a golden platter for him. It had to be reviewed by VAR. In the first half, Bayern Munich also had a goal called back on VAR that was a very impressive goal by Kimmich. So, Marcus, I mean, you know, just what were your takeaways? I think Tigres really hung in with Bayern Munich. They only lost one nothing. Yeah, they were uh, overmatched in a sense. This was a very, very, very good Tigres team there. The first CONCACAF team to reach the final. But going up against arguably the best club side, certainly in recent memory, mm -hmm. um, maybe of all time, so it would have taken something truly miraculous for uh, Tigris to come from their level, which is, you know, I think they would admit lower than uh, where Bayern Munich, uh, Bayern stands, which is at the uh, undisputed kings of Europe right now. So, yeah, but Tigris did well to really just hang in there uh, with Bayern Munich. Um, I think the game, the game was tied at halftime. Tigris had a... They didn't really have any chances, but they were they created a couple moments of danger or threat. Um, it wasn't, you know, it, Bayern dominated the game, but it wasn't completely one-sided. Um, I think Tigris, they defended bravely. They were organized. They were committed, and they had a good sense of what they wanted to do going forward. But they were just going, uh, as I said, up against one of uh, one of the great teams of all time. Yeah, I mean, Tigres actually, I mean, they came out with a ton of energy, almost as if they knew if they were going to have any chance, it would be to kind of steal a goal early, especially once Bayern Munich took control. But I mean, they forced a corner kick in the first minute of the game, and they certainly didn't back down. And I think I was a lot more entertained by this game than I thought I would be. Um, as was I. Yeah. So, you know, hats off to Tigres. Marcus, I did want to ask you, a long-winded question in that uh, the they we mentioned they're the first CONCACAF team to reach the Club World Cup final. I think, depending on who you ask, the Club World Cup has different meaning 
and significance uh, as far as making it there, winning it. But does it mean anything for CONCACAF or for Liga MX or for Tigres in any way that they kind of made it to this match and, and really hung in? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> it does mean um, – it actually means everything – for Tigris, just because they had they had fallen short of reaching this tournament, I think three times since 2016, where for whatever reason they just couldn't get over the hump and win the Concacaf Champions League. So for the club itself, yes, it means it means the world being there, and I'm sure they probably went further. They went further than they expected, and they should be proud of themselves and proud. Of, they, they should just be very proud of what they accomplished uh, over in Qatar. For Liga MX now, and I was watching the uh, Fox broadcast, mm-hmm. and they were talking about Tigris being uh, somewhat hated by a lot of the neutrals in uh, in Mexico. So they weren't too definitive as to what the as to what the rest of the supporters of other clubs in Mexico really thought of it. Uh-huh. I certainly don't know enough about that aspect of love and hate in Mexico. But for me, I was. You know, I've been tuned into this uh, Club World Cup this year and probably more deeply than I have been in other years because there was a CONCACAF team involved and because I wanted to see how this great CONCACAF team, which is 2020-2021 Tigris, really Tigris of the last three or four years, measures up against uh, the best in the world. And, you know, I... I thought they should be proud. I thought they uh, gave a good account of themselves and uh, maybe with a little, little more luck, uh, maybe if they're going up against a European team that is not as good as Bayern, they have a chance to win it. So I think this should give hope to certainly uh, every MLS team of, you know, an MLS team has yet to reach this tournament in, uh, I don't know, decades of trying and the, uh, you know, I think it opens the door for uh, ambition for any team in uh, North and North and Central America and the Caribbean that might want to uh, take on, you know, test themselves against the rest of the world. Um, Tigre showing this well against Bayern shows that should another CONCACAF team reach the final, uh, they won't be. Uh, they won't be humiliated or they shouldn't expect to be overmatched and overrun. So, yeah, I thought uh, the competitive aspect of it was really encouraging for every club in this region. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for when the revolution make it to the Club World Cup. But, um, Marcus, we wanted to also talk about Bayern Munich and uh, kind of their historical place in Uh, club soccer history and I think it's just the trophies speak for themselves and just demand that they be considered one of the best teams ever Um, and I'm just wondering where you think they stand kind of in that conversation well that is uh, really the million dollar question in the aftermath of this 2020 FIFA Club World Cup, um, you know, Bayern has been, uh, it was really, they came out of the winter break in uh, mid-January 
2020. So really for the last 13 months now, they have been just the best team in the world. Um, they won the Bundesliga. They won the German Cup, the German Super Cup, the UEFA Super Cup, the UEFA Champions League. And now they've gone six for six, uh, doing something that only 2009-2010 Barcelona managed to do or that Barca managed to do in that, uh, in that time span of winning everything available to them. So right. uh, this, I guess I will need input from listeners uh, in case I can't think of another team and it escapes me right now because I didn't do quite enough research coming into this episode of, if not Bayern, then I would say what other teams have won everything available to them in a given time span. I think that's kind of where you have to start. Um, would this Bayern Munich team, how would they fare against a Barcelona team of 10, 11, 12 years ago? Um, oh, that would be such a great thing to watch. <laughs> it would be, yes. Um, it, it'd be a dream matchup. I'm going to go with that Barcelona team only because uh, they were the best I've ever seen. And we're, we're, we're still talking about them uh, like right. it was yesterday. And also going up against a, what, 23, no, uh, 22, 23-year-old Lionel Messi. Uh, for, forget height about Height of his it. powers, yeah. Yeah, well, not even at the height, but right. uh, I don't think this Bayern could cope with that kind of player. Um, so I'll go with Barcelona. Uh, and they also had... Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, um, you know, just legends in that, uh, in their, in their lineup. So I'm going to go with that team, uh, this Bayern side, they are great. Uh, but one aspect of their period of domination is that it's come during a time when there aren't too many other great teams, uh, after Barcelona, after they, hammered Barcelona uh, in the Champions League last August, you know, they really showed themselves to be a cut above the rest. And uh, I don't quite remember who those Barcelona teams, who their big rivals were, but um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to give it to that Barca team. Well, not that this means anything, but that Barca team did defeat Bayern Munich in the Champions League quarterfinals on an aggregate score of five to one. So um, I don't yeah. know for what it's worth, but yeah, Marcus, I, I think just for the entertainment factor and kind of just a more fascinating um, team and more entertaining to kind of follow the Barcelona team um, certainly is, is tops for me. And I feel like just ever since Barcelona achieved what they achieved back in that 2010 timeframe, it's been this incredible standard that they have not been able to kind of get back to and that nobody really came close to, you know, even like uh, Real Madrid winning three or four Champions League titles, they weren't really staying at the same pace, um, you know, domestically or winning the Copa del Rey or, or, and, and everything like that. So uh, Bayern Munich is the only one that has kind of had that, 
you know, just dominating everything over the course of a year. And even Liverpool, they won the Champions League, couldn't win Premier League, you know, last or and then won the Premier League, but bowed out of Champions League relatively early. Um, it's so hard to win a, a trip, a treble, but you know, then to win a, I don't even know what you'd call a six, uh, sex tuple, a sex tuple. So um, it it's pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, they're kind of just rolling right along. They, they actually got eliminated from the DFB Pokal, but they're still in Champions League. They lead Bundesliga, um, and uh, they just continue rolling on. Uh, but, Marcus, I mean, anything left? To, I mean, I feel like we've, we've, we've talked about Bayern plenty in the past, and this is just kind of the, the cherry on top almost to win the Club World Cup. Um, yeah, the uh, it's worth noting that Bayern Munich they were without Jerome Boateng, Thomas Muller, Leon Goretzka. That's three starters. Uh, Boateng had a, um, you know, they kept referring to personal reasons. Uh, actually, his ex girlfriend committed suicide uh, oh a couple of days ago, so he left Bayern's camp to go back to uh, to go back to. Um, to Germany, where dealing with a uh, personal tragedy, uh, Thomas Muller, Leon Goretzka, Javi Martinez all got COVID, uh, and Bayern still managed to uh, hold off Tigris for, you know, pretty much the entire 90-minute period. And, you know, this is, it was a bit, it was a weaker Bayern team. It wasn't their strongest team. Uh, they didn't play their best game, so you know, I think uh, I don't know if we would be talking about this differently had Byron won four or five to nothing, as they might have if uh, Muller and Goretzka and Boateng were in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's worth noting that you know Byron had uh, they were without a few of their big guns and still had a pretty uh, easy time with Tigris. Yeah. Well, of course they still had Alfonso Davies, Concacaf product and hero of Canada. But all right. Markets, let's move on to some Champions League talk. Uh, and Neymar, who is injured again, um, suffered a groin injury on Wednesday in the French Cup game, and is expected out for several weeks. Um, Neymar being injured, well, this is interesting because this came out, he had a quote, I think, before this past match, where he said he wasn't, he had no plans to change his lifestyle, which involves partying. And he claims that he parties at the appropriate times. And, you know, from all indication, he does for the most part. Uh, but he also kind of does get injured a lot. And things like a groin injury and things like that just kind of pop up in our hindrances uh, to having him play out a full season. And sometimes they can happen at a really bad time. Um, so, yeah, they yeah. always seem to happen at the <laughs> worst possible time. Um, I don't think there are any, I don't think you can criticize Neymar for his lifestyle. Uh, he's been rich and famous since he was about 16 or 17. And uh, as we talked about in a previous episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, he has uh, his sight sets on being Brazil's all-time leading scorer. Uh, he's won a treble with Barcelona. So, you know, you can't, if, if he was really partying too much, he doesn't get near that level. 
Uh, right. That's, you know, for, for this amount of time. Uh, Neymar is now 29, been in the public eye and, you know, for over the, for 10 years or so. Uh, so anyway, uh, the injuries, though, is what keeps it, it just keeps popping up. And it's really been uh, a problem during his time at PSG. Uh, so when he left for a uh, world record transfer fee, uh, what was it? 275 million U.S. dollars. I have the stat. Neymar has played in just 103 of PSG's 191 games in all competitions since August 13, 2017. That's only 53.9% of the games hmm. available. Uh, so Neymar's durability um, is, I mean, just ask any Brazil fan. He's been uh, injured ahead of the last two World Cups. And, it, you know, it really begs the question. And he's going to be out now for uh, four weeks. He's going to miss uh, next Tuesday's Barcelona versus PSG. Champions League round of 16 first leg. He's doubtful to face Barcelona on March 10th in the second leg. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Hmm. Neymar's sister's birthday is on March the 10th. Neymar has not played on his sister's birthday, I believe for the seventh season in a row. Wow. Uh, So... You know, he likes, he's very close with her. Uh, she usually does a big bash. Neymar's usually there because he's injured. Uh, you know, this is the question of, or maybe his, her sister's birthday is on the 11th. Uh, sorry, I thought it was the 10th. But my point is, he yeah. always gets injured around his sister's birthday and much to the detriment of PSG. Uh and that's a shame because he's been playing well. Uh, he's got six goals, four assists. He's only played 11 league on games this year. Uh, but in the Champions League, he's had six goals in just five games. So I am just not quite sure how PSG, what they're going to uh, do about this upcoming Champions League matchup against Barcelona. Barcelona, we've beaten them to death in recent months. But you know what? They're still in the round of 16 and they're still dangerous. Uh, and I can only conclude that no Neymar gives PSG little chance of outlasting Barcelona. Well, we, we've seen Barcelona have some disappointing results. So to me, it's kind of wide open as far as the actual who will win, but you're right about uh, PSG. I mean, they're supposed to be, running away with Ligue and yet they're, they're sitting in third place this year and have not really dominated the league um, in the past couple of seasons. No, and this is Mauricio Pochettino's uh, – it's not his first go-around. This is almost like a dry run for him in the Champions League where uh, he is a – where, you know, he came in as Thomas Tuchel's replacement uh, back in maybe late December. Um, so I don't think he's going to be expected to return PSG to the final. But, you know, I think that's next season it'll come in and uh, those expectations will be set. 
for him to at least reach the semifinal. But um, yeah, I don't, uh, I think he's going to get a free pass this time around, but it is easier yeah. to do it with Neymar than without him. Absolutely. Um, um, PSG is also reportedly in talks to sign Neymar to a four-year contract extension. Mm-hmm. And this latest injury has me thinking, no way. There's no way he can be worth it. Uh, Neymar has missed, I, I think it's PSG has played uh, six round of 16 games since he's been in the club. He's missed three of them. Uh, I'm sure he's either their highest paid player or their second highest paid player uh, with an injury record like his, where he's only available 53% of the time. I have to say that's a resounding no. And uh, if he gets another four years out of PSG, uh, you have to pat his agent on the back, uh, his agent being his father, Um, you know, pat him on the back because I'm not sure that Actually, I'm certain that it's not wise to pay a player at the top of the market who you've seen over uh, three plus years now can't stay on the field. Yeah, I wonder if it's a sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if PSG kind of lets Neymar walk, you know, does that end up being a sort of motivating factor for him and something that all of a sudden he's out playing? you know, 80% of matches for whatever club he does go to and, you know, couldn't be more up for the inevitable, you know, PSG versus whatever team he signs with, you know, Champions League group stage matches and whatever would happen. Um, And at the same time, if you do keep him, that contract runs until he's 33. He just turned 29 years old. It would run until he was 33 um, but at the same time, maybe a early thirties Neymar trying to remain relevant as a top notch soccer player on the worldwide stage could be extremely productive. Um, and, and just as motivated as he ever has been in his career. So it's a, it's a, it's tricky waters, I would say, Marcus. And yeah, they would miss out on, uh, I think he's got a social media following of around a hundred Sure. Five to 170 million. So PSG would be missing out on all those clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from a pure, well, I guess they don't operate in a pure sporting world because they are <laughs> right. an entertainment brand first and a uh, soccer team second. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, ne- Neymar is probably making the club. He, he, I'm sure the investment is paying off for the club and the longer he is at the club the more they'll con- they'll continue to bank from his presence but you know from a from a just a pure sporting aspect where your wage bill is x and he's taking up y amount uh you can probably that money might be better spent elsewhere you might be right marcus um and speaking of entertainment brands uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic continues to entertain uh, down in Syria. And unless did you want to have any final word on Neymar there? I no. feel like you did it. Yeah. Well, let's get to our Zlatan quote of the week. We last talked about Zlatan when he received a red card in the Copa Italia quarterfinals. And since then, he's kind of come back in a big way. 
he played the full 90 in a 2-1 win at Bologna. And then this past weekend, he scored two goals in a four, the first two goals for AC Milan in a 4-0 win over Crotone. Um, and then after the game, shared a video of himself dancing on his Instagram story and a picture of himself in a black Ferrari caption, Road to the Target. Um, and I got to assume that target is the Scudetto. AC Milan is still in first place in Serie A, and they play Spezia at 2.45 on Saturday, where um, I would, you know, they're likely to win. Spezia sits in 17th in Serie A. So in case we were worried about Zlatan, you know, falling by the wayside, uh, don't worry, that didn't happen. Not um, a chance. <laughs> uh, but Marcus, let's move on to our games of the weekend. Mine is actually in the Serie A, so I feel like I should go first as we're, as we're in the Serie A world. Uh, mine is on Saturday. Yours is on Sunday, so I think I should go first. All right, let's do that. <laughs> Leicester City versus Liverpool, 7.30 a.m. Saturday in the Premier League. You can watch it on NBCSN. Leicester City is in third place. Liverpool is in fourth place in the Premier League, separated by just three points. Liverpool's uh, title defense is on uh, life support. And now the focus really is on securing and consolidating a place in the top four. Uh, losing ground to Leicester would put them put Liverpool six points behind. And yeah, sure, there's still three more months of the season, three plus months, but that would just cut into Liverpool's margin of error. Uh, losing those head-to-head matchups in the top four battles are all important. And, you know, when it comes down to it, Liverpool doesn't want to be in the position where they regret handing, uh, handing Leicester City three more points or a six-point swing with the three points that they've lost. So, uh, yeah, that's the one I'll be watching. Uh, crunch battle for top four positions. Liverpool, Leicester City, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, uh, yeah, Marcus, I'm definitely excited for that one. And it's circle the wagons time for Liverpool. I mean, they've suffered some tough losses in the past month. With, I mean, they got run out of the gym by Manchester City. And they've lost to Brighton. They've lost to Burnley, both at home. Eliminated from the FA Cup by Man United, it's uh, it's like a it's it's a bizarro world for them, and um, you know, plenty of criticism coming from all angles. Uh, of, yeah, and Liverpool's you know. has uh, they've got three teams: Chelsea, West Ham, and Everton within three points of them. So, you know, this fight for the top four is going to be uh, possibly epic this year with. Uh, Let's see, 23 games played for uh, most of these teams in the mix. Uh, then teams like Everton have only played 21, Tottenham's 22, Aston Villa's 21. So I'm looking at the positions uh, four through nine, sorry, the positions three through nine, fighting it out for spots three and four. And uh, mm-hmm. it will be a dogfight for the ages. Absolutely. 
And I mean, the Liverpool has got Leipzig in the Champions League round of 16, and they got a tall task with that as well. Life that only gets more difficult for Liverpool. But my match of the weekend, I talked a lot about AC Milan and Zlatan and how they lead Serie A. But my match of the weekend will actually be Inter Milan versus Lazio. That'll be Sunday at 2.45. You can watch that on ESPN+. The reason here is that I expect AC Milan to take care of business versus Spezia. And it's a question of can Inter keep pace with Milan as they trail by two points, sitting in second place. But also, Inter and Lazio drew one-to-one back in October where Immobile and Stefano Sensi both had second-half red cards. And Lazio has been, you know, Lazio is not a Scudetto contender. They're a top-four contender, but they've really just kind of been a thorn in the side of the top teams in Serie A this year. That seems to kind of always be their role, but especially this year. And they have taken points from Inter and Juve with draws. They have wins against Roma, Atalanta, and Napoli. And the only team that they didn't beat was AC Milan. So, so, you know, just kind of can't injure Milan, keep pace. It's an easy game to kind of drop points with. We talked about the Premier League race, which is always entertaining. The Serie A race for first place, I think, will be the best first place race as Inter Milan and AC Milan go at it. And I know that Man United is in second in Premier League, but I get the sense that Man City will begin to pull away. They're already five points up. But in Serie A, you got AC Milan and Inter, and then Juventus has won seven straight Serie A matches, and they're kind of that dark horse that I think ultimately will be within just a few points of first place and really a big threat to win the Scudetto again. So, Mark, I am impressed by your research and knowledge of the ins and outs of the race in Syria <laughs> right now. I hope you're not surprised, Marcus. No. Okay, good. <laughs> well, uh, leave Mark- it at impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to impress you as always. And Marcus, I, I enjoyed watching the FIFA Club World Cup this afternoon. It was a great way to pass by another cold winter Thursday. But I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank the listeners for joining. And if they want to continue to follow along, they can do so at Nesson.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Spotify, where you can search Nesson Soccer Podcast on those platforms and you will see our podcast pop right up. Be sure to like, subscribe, download, comment, tweet at us, and and all of that stuff. We want to hear from you. Marcus, any last words? Nope. Just want uh, everyone to stay safe and healthy out there. Yes. Always do that. See you, everybody. Are you not why I tell you so? Come on!